You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills, and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much was being sourced overseas, and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that are still making in the UK. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in Britain, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be chatting to inspiring British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering advice to product-based businesses that make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode number 205 of the Make It British podcast. So I've still got a bit of a cough and a cold, so I'm not quite up to doing a whole full solo episode for you. But today I've got a wonderful interview that I know you're going to love. I'm going to take you on a trip to Leicester to meet the family behind textile firm Shartex. Now, if you listen to episode number 125 of this podcast that was with Dominic Muller of Labour Behind the Label, you'll know that the Leicester textile industry has had a bit of a bad rep of late, which is a real shame. Leicester was once the epicentre of the UK's hosiery and knitting industry, and the city was renowned for making some of the world's best textiles and textile machinery as well. The county of Leicestershire has some of the most entrepreneurial and interesting characters that you will ever meet, which is why it's such a pity that many of the retailers that built their billion pound businesses on the back of these hardworking people deserted them when things got tough. But the people of Leicester will not be beaten. And to coin a bit of a slightly over-egged phrase of late, the Leicester textile industry is going to build back better. In fact, it's already doing so. The guys at Shartex are experts in circular knitting, but over the last few years, they've been forced into making mainly cheap polyester fabrics for some of the online retailers who've continuously squeezed them on price. But Tejas Shah, the owner of Shartex, decided that if the business which his father Pramod created 36 years ago was going to survive into the 21st century, he had to do things differently and he wasn't going to be beholden to the fast fashion retailers. So Shartex have invested in four state-of-the-art circular knitting machines, which are the first of their kind in the UK. These machines enable the factory to produce seamless garments, the likes of which you would have had to have gone to Europe before to get made. Now, when we took a trip to Leicester to see these machines, we were just in awe. They have to be seen to be believed. And in this interview, I chat to Tejas and Pramod at their factory in Leicester about why they decided to buy these machines and how they plan to change the reputation of the Leicestershire textile industry. I hope you enjoy this interview. Here you go. Where should we start? Who's going to introduce themselves first? Uh, hi, I'm Tejas Shah. Me and my dad are now partners in, in this business. It's been going 36 years. I, I handle sales and customers. <laughs> is your dad? Is your, he doesn't want to be on the interview. So you set the company up, did you say, 36 years ago? Yeah. We started in 79 and then in 86, uh, we started the fabric side of the business. 
So okay. from 79 to 86, we were doing the actual knitwear garments itself. And once you started on the fabric, who were your first customers back in the 80s? There were a lot of cash and carries at the time. So we had a few people in Nottingham in, uh, who were buying the fabrics at the time. And then Leicester then became one of the main goals in that. And in that time, what changes have you seen in the Leicester textile industry? Oh, quite a lot. If you can take the 70s and 80s, where there used to be like half a million, three quarters of a million people working in the textile trade, in the Leicestershire, Not Nottingham and areas as such, down to right now where there's only a few hundred thousand. So um, why have you remained in the industry then when everyone else is, is not? I personally enjoy knitting and I like to develop and create fabrics as such. Now that I've got this new venture, I, I really enjoy that one a lot more. I like to create. The only buzz that gave me was, like I said, in the uh, late 80s, I could see my jacquard designs in all the sh major shops in the UK. And hopefully it'll be that way now with the new machines that you've got. It can be, I hope so. I'm looking at trying to create different structures and different fabrics on that to see what we can and can't do. So when who came up with the idea of buying these new machines then? Was it was it yourself or was it was it Tejas? I think it's more um, both of us really. Both of us had a joint decision that the fabric side is going less and less as such and the earnings is no longer there on that side. So we had to move and the only way I could move is that because I enjoy knitting. That's why it went on to this garment side. So the machines are really new toys for you to play with. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I should be retired, but I'm... I wasn't going to say, but that's well, brilliant to say. Trying, honestly. So no retiring yet then, because you've got these machines to play no, with. No, no, I enjoy it. That's why I come here a lot before all these uh, stages, so everybody comes to the factory. <laughs> yeah. I'm playing around with the machines and trying to create. Oh, it's brilliant. So, Taja, so you've you've lured us here today then to come and look at these new machines. Do you yeah. want to just, for everyone listening, just say, ex you know, explain what they are and what it is they do and why you've invested in them? Their, their full term would be called um, Circular Seamless Knitting Machines. And we've seen the rise of athleisure. We've seen a lot more companies looking to create better quality garments. So we thought, why should they get them from abroad? Why doesn't the UK want to produce them? So me and dad actually saw the machines three years ago, but then with COVID and with the way that the trade was, we weren't sure whether it was worth the investment. And then one day we were sitting at the breakfast table. I remember it really clearly. He just said, sod it, we're going to do it. We're going to give it, all. it's all or nothing. There is no more knitting trade in, you know, fabrics. So why not give it a try and let's see what we can produce and where we can take it to. Brilliant. Well, you know, I was really excited when you rang me up and you told me you were buying these machines because I've had so many people contact me saying, why are we not, you know, doing this sort of seamless knitting in the UK? So tell me about the sort of customers you were working with before and who you're hoping to work with. And you don't have to name any names, but the type of level of customers that the new machines mean that you'll be able to work with. So on the uh, circular knitting of fabrics, we've always been a fashion company. Back in the day, it was BHS and Arcadia Group. And recently, it's been more with the e-tailers. So it's, you know, very fast fashion. The aim with Seamless Garments is that we want to be working with better-end customers who are in retail stores. You know, the, these are garments that aren't going to sell at £5 and £10. These are, 
you know, 50, 60 pound plus garments. And you want to create a quality item. I know it sounds bad, but we're kind of tired of creating as cheap a fabric as possible. The aim with this is to create a great product. The UK, when I was growing up, you know, dad used to take me into stores and say, look, this is our fabric. This is what we've created. Now it's it's more, how cheap can you go? How cheap can you go? And the pressure to the bottom means that corners are cut. And if corners are cut, it means things aren't done properly. And we don't want to be involved in that market if we don't have to be. Why race to the bottom when we can race to the top? And that, that that's our aim. You know, we want to be the cream rather than the milk. I love it. It's so good. I love the fact that you've got this ambition to do this now. Because it is a real shame that Leicester in some places has a reputation. And I think it's really good that you are thinking to the future because there are so many more people that are interested in making in the UK and making locally. So in terms of who you're, the types of customers that you'll be working with, what are you doing to sort of get the name out there about about the fact you've got these machines? At the minute, we, we've been focusing on getting our uh, samples right because the last thing I want to do is walk into a big meeting and, and you know, manage to get in somewhere and, and not have the right product. So... We've been working with getting the right product. And because of COVID, we've not been able to kind of set up meetings and get in front of people. But I think that as things get better in the UK and touch wood, they are, we'll be in front of, you know, the store groups and, and people who who would appreciate quality. There's no point me standing in front of somebody who, whose target price is, like I said, four or five pound a garment, because that's not the market we're after. We can produce quality. And we want to, you know. Brilliant. Well, now you've been on this podcast, everyone's going to know about you. <laughs> and you're open to visitors, aren't you? I hear you've had quite a few people coming and going in the last few weeks, coming to see these exciting new machines. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been very fortunate that working with the LEP and being in touch with people like yourself, it's opened the doors to to brands who are forward thinking, who want UK production, who want seamless garments. And, you know, we've we've been lucky that a couple of people have come in who are quite reputable, big brands. But we're also open to small brands. You know, we're, we're not a company that just says we only want to work with, you know, X, Y and Z. We're willing to work with everybody if if we can find a way to work with them. You know, it's it's a compromise. The whole issue of small brands is when we get emails of people wanting to create, you know, 30 pieces and 20 pieces, it, it's very difficult to, to justify the R&D that goes into 20 or 30 pieces without kind of telling them that it'd be 60, 70 pound a, a garment wholesale. What we're trying to do is create a library of garments. So that way I can say, well, you're a startup brand. We'll do you 30 of these. We'll put your logo in instead of where it says Shartex, but we'll create 30 of these for you. Brilliant. Yeah, because I think that's what, until I'd kind of come here today and seen this, it was difficult to understand how it takes, how the time is taken to do the program on the computer and set up the machines. But actually, once you have got these, this library of styles, there's all end of possibilities, isn't there? And, that, and your quantities after that aren't huge, are they? They're in the hundreds rather than thousands to yeah. start with. I mean, the aim is to do, you know, we want to get to minimums of around 500, but it's not 500 per size, it's 500 across all sizes. And the main reason that we have to even have such high minimums is purely because of the dyeing process. Because these are garment dyed, to ensure that we get colour continuity and we get the right product to you, we have to be able to give the dye houses a reasonable amount to put in a dye bath. If you're not fussed about colours, then you can almost chuck them in a washing machine and dye them yourself and dye them any colour. But obviously, as a brand, you're trying to create a name and create your own label and your own place in the market. You care about the entire garment. And 
because of that, we don't want to go lower than 500 garments. Yeah, because of the dyeing. Because that is one of the issues, isn't there, in Leicester, is how there are not that many dye houses here anymore. There, there are quite a few garment dye houses in Leicester at the minute. However, their focus has always been pigment dyeing rather than acid dyeing or reactive dyeing, which is what polyester and, and nylon requires to get the darker colours. So as you've seen from the samples I've showed you earlier, they're all light, bright colours because that's the kind of dyeing that they can do. And we're in talks with one of our fabric dye houses to, to kind of set up for us to be able to do the darker colours in, in the garment dyeing. So we're working with existing customers because existing suppliers, because we don't want to cut anybody out of our chain. If people are willing to move with us, we're willing to, to grow with them. I bet this has caused a few rumblings in Leicester, hasn't it, in terms of you guys kind of getting these machines? Have any of your competitors tried to have a little peep through the door? No, and we're lucky purely because we've not shouted about the machines yet. You are going to be my first foray into publicity, you know, publicity about what we've done. You know, we've we've... We wanted to make sure that what we produced was right before we went out shouting about what we're doing. These these machines, they're, they're very different to anything we've encountered before and, and it's taken us, you know, time to get it right. But I think that that's the key stress is that we've taken the time to get it right rather than put the machines in and said, look at what we're doing, we'll do this, that for you, this, that for you and not be able to to fulfil promises. Yeah, and I think that's so important in terms of the quality. So when you make the garments here, you have actually, because they come off the machine, but as I've seen, you've also then got a certain amount of stitching to do. Now, traditionally, factories that make the fabric in the UK haven't then also had the ability to do the cutting and the sewing, but you've now got that as well. So that's making you kind of a bit of a vertical manufacturer there in that respect, isn't it? Oh, yes. I mean, like the the long term aim is to have everything under one roof so that, you know, when I'm dealing with my customer, they've got complete confidence that everything's done in one place. You know, there are no corners being cut. We have open transparency, walk in, see what we're doing, you know, and, 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 and make sure that you're getting the quality that you want. You know, we're not trying to hide workers and, and not let people be on film or take because, you know, they don't have the right visa. We're not that kind of company. Everyone's paid by backs, everything's done. I mean, I know it sounds weird to be talking about it, but everything's just done how it's supposed to be done. Yeah, brilliant. So how have you found the learning curve then of knowing about lock stitching and binding machines? Because traditionally you wouldn't, you've had a whole load of new machines there as well, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, the, the hardest part for us on the, um, the stitching side was to find a flat lock seam machine. And you'd have thought that with Leicester being known for, for garment manufacturing, that they'd be readily available. But we could not find one for the life of us in Leicester and ended up getting it from Nottingham. Yeah, that's so true. There's not that many people in the UK that have got those sorts of machines. They're more difficult to use, I think, than a standard overlocker. The, the whole thing is that Leicester was known for quality. The UK, you know, when I grew up, when I used to go to India as a child, if I was wearing Marks and Spencers, people thought, wow, that's a brand that stands for quality that's going to, to last you for years. They thought, wow, he's posh. Yeah, people used, to ask, <laughs> people used to ask us to bring garments across, you know, uh, for them. And now those skills have sadly left the UK because nobody seems to want to make quality products anymore. I'm not saying that people don't want to make them because I mean, that's a very poor phrasing on my part. I do apologise. <laughs> 
people aren't allowed to make them because the retailers want things at a price point that is not achievable given the kind of quality and service that people want to give. Mm. But I hope with what you're doing here and what other people are doing in the UK and opening new places with the most up-to-date machines, I think that's definitely going to change. And the more that people, the more that other companies in the textile industry think like you're thinking, and you've got your dad's backing here as well (laughs) to do this, so you're never going to be able to retire, are you? No, I won't retire at all. Like I said, I love creating and that's where I'm going to stay. I'm good at, so... So what are your plans for um, for this factory now? You've got four machines at the moment. Where would you like to be in the next five years? Probably around about 60 machines maximum. Brilliant. What about you, Tay? Just what, 60 machines or more? I think it's it's a case of, you know, let, let, let's see how many we can get to. Why put a number on it? If the demand is there and we have the ability to create, why not create? You know, why... Why would I want them to go somewhere else? You know, I am I am in business. I am greedy, you know. <laughs> and you've got a big space here as well. We have a huge space. And we also um, we also have the next door building as well. So the, the room for expansion, we have... Um, so my uncle owns that one. And one of my uncle... My other uncle owns this one. So the room for expansion is, is there. My aim is... I don't put a number on the machines. I want to be the main source for UK seamless garment production. I want to be known for quality. I want to be known to create and inspire brands. And I want to make sure that what we produce is is a lasting product. We don't want to be in the fast fashion world. We want to create garments that people wear after a few years. They may not wear them to the gym anymore, but they may wear it to lounge around in the house. Why discard the product? It doesn't need to go anywhere. Brilliant. Um, finally, we talked earlier that you were at school with another a knitwear manufacturer that I know in Leicester, so the guys over at Jack Masters. And they have, as well as doing contract knitwear, they do also now have their own brands. They do their own knit, um, Christmas jumpers, don't they? I think they've got another new brand as well they've just launched. Do you think you will ever launch your own brand as well? Snail's going to hate me. I don't think that I want to go down the brand creation route. The way I see it is if I go down and create my own brands, I'm competing against my customers, right? So it, it doesn't make sense for me to, to create my own brands. However, if Snell's brands are looking for seamless garment manufacturers, I'd be more than happy to, to supply Jack Masters at a very good price. Old school friend deal. Oh, brilliant. The two of you have been absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much for having us visiting you today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Friday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. Many of the interviews that you hear on series four of this podcast are also available to watch on our YouTube channel. You can find it by going to youtube.com forward slash Make It British LTD. That's Make It British with the letters LTD. Bye bye. Bye.